0: Welcome to Cars Yeah! Show number 959.
1: Right now is such an awesome time to be able to chase your dream because you have so many ways to be able to reach people, whether you like knitting or you like cars or you like cooking. like You can create and you can influence a lot of people. And so it's such an awesome time to be alive and have these resources to be able to do what you love. This is Cars Yeah! Where you'll enjoy
0: interviews with
1: inspiring automotive enthusiasts.
2: Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars
0: Yeah! Hello automotive enthusiasts! I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest. That's right, I've got two guys with me today. Brad Bader and Travis Jordan. Hey, Brad, Trav, are you guys buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Heck yeah, absolutely. All right, here we go. Brad Bader and Trav Jordan are full-time YouTubers and co-founders of Ideal Cars, a premium automotive education platform that's shifting the way the next generation of car enthusiasts buy, sell, and drive their next ideal car and do it for free. Trav's built his career in the automotive industry by following his love for anything mechanical. He's a certified Audi master technician who thinks like an engineer, and Brad has worked in the tech industry helping build several notable Seattle startups, but it's his passion for automobiles and the art of the deal that drove him to connect his buddy, Trav. The two started flipping cars and decided to combine their skills to create Ideal Cars on YouTube and they create 30 minute vlogs about buying, fixing, selling tutorials and trips around the world in cars with their passion for automobiles. So guys, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you each take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your careers and very obvious passions for automobiles? And we'll start with you, Brad. Awesome. Well,
1: thanks for the the thorough introduction, Mark, and we're excited to be on this podcast. Cool. Um, both Trav and I have been friends for quite a while, and we're both entrepreneurs at heart, and we've started companies in the past, but we really wanted to find that intersection of business and cars, which is what the brainchild is that we're talking about today, Ideal Cars The thing that we've been doing for a bunch of years is buying and selling cool cars and and making money on them without a dealer's license. And we've been able to identify a way to use technology to be able to identify what we call an ideal car, a car that you can get in, drive for six months to 18 months and get out of and either break even or make money on. Now, the way we're able to do this is using, there's a lot of technology out there to be able to find desirable examples of a make and model. So let's say it's an E46 M3. How can you find one that you're able to negotiate and get it below market value or at market value, but see the value that you can add to it Mm. on the back end of it when it comes time to sell? And so using technology to track depreciation schedules and price trends for these types of cars, think of it like the stock market. We're able to take calculated risks and buy these cars and enjoy them. And the coolest thing about it is that they're all extremely cool cars. And so like the experience itself pays for it. But then on the back end, when we do get rid of it and are able to use those funds to to tie it up in something else, it makes it all really, really worthwhile. And so Trav and I have been doing it for a while and we took those passions and now are creating the Ideal Car Strategies, which teaches other people how to do what we've been doing.
0: You know, I love this. I mean, this is so cool. The whole concept of it. I think it's every car guy's dream. Uh, Trav, how about you? Tell us a little bit about your background.
2: Right. So, you know, from the time I was, I was really, really young, cars have just kind of always been, you know, everything I've ever thought about really. So, you know, as I, as I grew up and, and my family was, I had no one in my family that was into cars at all. You know, I was kind of the,
0: the lone the, wolf. <laughs> the,
2: right, right. So, you know, as I grew up, you know, I was, I was constantly taking apart bicycles and and my parents' lawnmowers and not, not being able to put them back together and everything else, you know. And, you know, by the time I had, I turned 14, I bought a van that was I, – I paid like $200 for it, didn't run. And, you know, by the time I turned 15, it was it was running and driving. I was driving it around, you know, with, with no per- learner's permit or anything, you know, which looking back was, was not probably the smartest <laughs> no, probably thing not. I ever did. You know, but I just – I've always had this desire to be around, you know, machines and and cool cars and stuff like that, you know. So, you know, as time went on, I I went to tech school to give myself the opportunity to be in a career that, you you know, I I knew I could be good at and always make decent money. So, you know, I went to school and eventually found myself working for Audi where I quickly sort of moved up through the ranks um, as a diagnostic specialist. I've just i always had this burning desire to know how things work. That's sort of my automotive background, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, it sounds cool. It sounds like a, a match made in heaven, if you will, between you two guys with your different skill sets, but that combined passion for cars. And as we continue on your guys' journey here through life down this exciting road, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that has some meaning for you. And it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Jazz. So let's start with you, Brad. Take the wheel.
1: Awesome. Well, so this is going to sound kind of cliche, but it's just do it. And uh, I know that that is what has been branding Nike since I think the 1970s, and it's it is my motto. I played sport growing up. I was able to actually play professional tennis for about a year and a half after playing at University of Washington, and and so I've always set goals really high and somehow tried to achieve them. I was never the most athletic or the fastest, but I always tried to figure out a process. To achieve those goals. And so the same thing with what we're doing now, this was a huge jump in both of our careers. May you say backwards just because we were both making good money. Yeah. We we had solid incomes. We were prominent in our respective fields. And we decided to take a pay cut of now we're, we're not making anything to be able to chase our, our dreams. Yeah. And that's something that like with Nike, it's the, the same type of motto where you just have to do it. Mm-hmm. And I know it's something that a lot of your guests say something to that respect, but it is so true. Like you do have to look at your dreams and, and chase the them. And so we're 110% into this thing and enjoying every second of it.
0: I love it. It's great. How about you, Trav? You know,
2: kind of a personal thought, I don't know if it's a famous quote or not, is, you know, be convicted in what you're doing. Mm. And that's something that, you know, we both think about all the time is like, so I'd say it's really two things. It's, It's be convicted in what you're doing. And also you have to make it happen. That's, that's something, you know, I, we kind of literally look ourselves in the mirror every day and and remind ourselves that, you know, no one else is going to make this happen for you. You're the one that has to do it. And so as a result of of that kind of thinking, you know, it's it's like – Set your goals, come up with your dreams, and then sort of throw the blinders on. Don't take no for an answer, and just you know keep going. Yeah, don't stop. You know, and, and like like Brad said, you know it is a total cliche, but you know just do it.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love <laughs> Let's it. Do it, baby. Well, it all comes back to a couple thoughts I have: never lift, pedal to the metal, all those cliches. But <laughs> yeah. but, but you know they're they're great uh, stories around cars. Well. Let's go back in time. Now, uh, we were having a great pre-show chat, and I think we could have talked for hours. I finally said, well, we got to kind of record the show here, guys, but love about talking about cars. But I'd love for each of you to share a story that instigated your individual passion for cars. Tell me about that pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were indeed a car guy. We'll start with you, Brad.
1: Right. So I was never really given the option to be a car guy. I grew up in it. My dad's from Dearborn, Michigan. He worked for Ford for nine years. I was back in Michigan actually last week and went to the Henry Ford Museum, which is probably my most favorite place on earth. Oh, yeah. And then. After doing that, he traveled for a little bit and started a shop in Kirkland in, C- in the Seattle area. And so I grew up in a shop. Now, the toughest thing about doing that is I was always around cool cars. So it was just a way of life. And my dad always told me to be 10% better than him and make cars my hobby instead of my job. Now, I've never fully agreed with him, and it really hit me in my mid-20s when I had the opportunity to to purchase my first classic car. And I had saved up and I had been researching different types of cars and I settled on a classic Mustang. And one day I was at work, I was in software and I Craigslist, it popped up. It was a 68 Mustang California special. Mm. And I've always liked quirky or weird or unique low production type cars. And if you may or may not know a 68 California special, there was only about... 4,200 of them built in 68 from February through August, mm-hmm. and it has some pretty unique uh, looking body effects to it that oh, kind yeah. of resemble a, a Shelby. And so going back to what my first car I thought I wanted to be was a 912 because it looked like a 911, but it, it didn't have the same motor as the 911, so I thought it'd be cheaper to insure. So the same thing with this car. It was like, wow, I could have a really cool car that looked like a Shelby full ninety. of the people, but it was just a plain Jane Mustang under it. And so I called my dad and I said, Hey man, I think I found a California special that I want to buy. And he was like, really? And so he told me that I had to get a Marty report, which you run the VIN and you're able to tell that it's an actual authentic California special or if it's a Shelby, the same thing. And, uh, I went out and I bought it with my dad and it was the first car that I purchased, a classic car that I purchased. And the cool thing was that it was kind of a father son project, but I was the one that had paid for it. And so he enjoyed it because now he got to spend my money because we restored it together. (laughs) And it got first place at a national Mustang show. And to this day, it's still in the family. It will never, never leave us. And it's, I mean, it's a really, really nice car. And it's, it was the first time that I really identified as a true blue car enthusiast because, of the story of the car and the history as to why Ford in 68 made the California special. Yeah. And those coupled together made me really realize that cars are more than just physical things. There's there's always a story behind the car that someone can tell you.
0: Yeah. You know, Ford, I uh, had Christian Overland, who's the executive VP of the Henry Ford Museum, on my show. He was on the show a couple years ago, actually. I think it was July of 2016. But that museum is absolutely spectacular. And you and Ugh. I, ha- you and I share a little something here. I had a 66 fastback, uh, that was a clone of a Shelby GT350 fastback, a very nicely built car that a guy who worked at the Ford factory back when Shelby was building them acquired all the original parts, and then built this car many years later. And I had that car. I drove it every day to work here in the Pacific Northwest. (laughs) It was a little dicey in the rain, but it was fun. But but how about you, Trav? I know you said you grew up in a family where they weren't really into cars, but you were the guy. So what's that pivotal moment when you knew you were a car guy?
2: So – Years before I was born, my parents took European delivery of a, I think it was a 1988 Volvo 240, uh, five speed, one with the electronic overdrive. And from the time I was really young, you know, two or three years old, my parents said I'd often just, just, you know, they wouldn't be able to find me. I'd disappear and they'd find me in the garage just hanging out kind of around that car. And then, you know, when I I was old enough to finally open the door, I used to just go in that car and just sit in it for hours and just kind of run it through the gears and play with all the knobs and stuff. And then I learned how to open the hood, you know, and I just was so, that's all I wanted to do was just be around these machines and stuff, you know, like the only way my parents could get me to behave in the stores, you know, was they didn't incentivize me with a 99 cent Hot Wheels car. Oh, yeah. You know? And like that's – it's just been my main focus um, since since I can remember.
0: So well, when did your mom come out to the garage and find the engine out of that Volvo?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that car, uh, it, it got – it ended up getting destroyed. Uh, it hit a rock. Oh, no. Uh, it, was snowing, it was snowing out years and years later. yeah, It, it was snowing out and uh, – my stepbrother actually spun out, hit a rock, and decided to keep driving, and it Uh-oh. lost all its oil, oh, lost oil yeah.
0: pressure. That, that doesn't work happening. very well, as, as you, a mechanic, yeah. knows. Oh, my right. gosh. Well, what fun stuff. Well, listen, I want you guys to talk about a big challenge or a big failure. And I don't know if you want to approach this individually or together. It doesn't matter really to me, but the most important thing about hitting these challenges in life or these big failures is the lesson they teach us. Now, you guys left very good-paying jobs to start this YouTube, I can only imagine the friends and family comments going, What are you thinking? Because I heard all that when I started this podcast. Everyone just rolled their eyes and go, You're crazy. But, you know, we got to set our own path. So, walk me down that path and tell me how whatever these experiences are helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your life, your career, your business.
1: Yeah, Mark. So, A big challenge that we faced is that, as you know, when you started this podcast, you don't have a lot of viewership and you have to grow organically and whatnot. And one thing that I've always believed in is that a really easy way to do that is like to expedite that is to put yourself in situations where your ideal customers are are. Mm-hmm. And so what Trav and I decided to do this summer is buy a cool car, do an episode on it, and then do a 40-day road trip around the US. I watched and so that. It was You guys it had some fun. <laughs> the craziest thing that we have ever done. We did 40 days. We did nine states, 7,000 miles. And the only goal we really had was to meet as many car enthusiasts as possible along the way and go to SEMA. And we had both never been to SEMA, so that was a bucket list item. Yeah. And so that was our itinerary. That was it. And so the day before, Trav manufactured a custom ski box uh, mount for I a saw, ski box. On I top saw of that. yeah 911 that we bought, um, and that's a crazy story in itself of how we got that car, which we'll touch on later, later on in this podcast. But essentially, we got this 911. We did a bunch of things to it, put a clutch in it and whatnot, and drove it. Uh, 7,000 miles around the U.S., did everything from going to Yellowstone to Jackson Hole to Park City, Utah. We ended up at SEMA. And then we actually ghosted the Corsa rally back with like 300 other supercars from Las Vegas back to L.A. Hmm. Now, the biggest challenge about all this was that we also filmed every single day of our journey. And we tried to to hold ourselves accountable to posting videos of our daily life what we call vlogs mm-hmm. every single day on youtube and so we were pretty successful with that after about day 11 when we were editing in a walmart parking lot in missoula montana <laughs> it was 19 degrees outside and we're using an inverter to charge our phones or our phones and our computers to edit this thing it was probably 16 17 hours of filming and then editing every single day on top of we slept in a Porsche 911 about 25 of the 40 nights oh my and so gosh. we were able to meet over 100 Enthusiasts along the way and asked them because it was a discovery for us to learn more about how we should write these ideal car strategies to teach other people how to do what we're doing right now. Wow. And so it was the most invaluable experience and one of the toughest things because we had to leave loved, one, loved ones behind for those 40 days, but they were huge supports and without them we never would have been able to do it. And yeah. so that was the hardest thing we've ever done and the most rewarding thing I think we've ever done at least in my whole life
0: real quickly where can a listener go to see these videos
1: yeah, so you can go to youtube.com slash Ideal Cars or just go to youtube.com and search Ideal Cars. And you're able to, we uh, put them into different playlists so you can see everything from the episodes. Um, like when we purchased the 911, we also did an E90 M3, a Jeep Wrangler, and another E36 BMW, as well as going to IdealCars.tv, which is where a listener would be able to put in their email address. And we're doing the final touches on the strategies right now so they can... Uh, get in the know of of what we're up to and be one of the first people to be able to sign up for the strategies once they're they're live and
0: there you go you know this is really cool and for people that have not created vlogs created podcasts this is a huge amount of work to do a nice job and you guys did an amazing (laughs) job i watched what you did uh really kudos to you hey trav what was the biggest takeaway for you from this trip
2: it was a really big challenge, um, you know. I've got a four-year-old boy and a wife, and leaving them behind for that many days was.
0: <laughs> She's a saint, you know that, right? <laughs>
2: uh, it, it, oh yeah, I mean I, that's you know probably the number one comment I got from everyone. It's like you know, are you still married? Like yeah. how did you how did you make this happen? You know, so
0: yeah,
2: um, and, and and that was really tough. But it, you know, we what we got out of that trip was was something you almost can't put into words. It sort of, I think for us that trip was. Coming back from that trip was sort of the pivotal moment that really sort of, you know, showed us the light, gave us a really clear direction as to where we were headed with, with this whole company, you know, because before the trip, we were sort of doing these DIY type videos and, and you know, we, we tried to do some episodes on cars and vlogs and all sorts of stuff. And by the time we were on our way home, you know, we for the first time in a year, we had had we developed a really kind of a crystal clear vision of where we were going and somewhat of an idea of how we were going to get there.
0: Yeah. You know, really kudos to you guys for putting yourself out there and doing this because you've you've shared a really important thing for anyone out there who's thinking about venturing into something new is you've got to dive in full bore. You got to just do it to go back to your mantra, uh, your comment there earlier. And Uh, The fact that you just went and did it. And uh, let me ask you another quick question, because this past year was, well, last year was my 25th time to SEMA. I've been there a few times. Uh, (laughs) This was your first trip. What was your impression of SEMA? So, overwhelming yeah
2: yeah S- S- sema sema was was insane i mean it was an incredible show yeah um you really i mean we we went all four days i think we did mm-hmm. uh and i mean you really can't see everything you that's there
0: in it's, all four it's days, hard you know? it is very hard especially if you're going to talk with people um right yeah i yeah like i said i've walked those halls for 25 years now <laughs> and the show this year was just epic, big, huge. I mean, really cool. And uh, Wade Kawasaki, who's been a guest on the show, is the new director at SEMA, the guy in charge. Awesome guy. He works at uh, Coker Tires as well as the president of that company. Everyone there is doing a fantastic job. So, so glad you got to do that. But more importantly, you just dove in head first and created this thing. So again, listeners, I'll put a link on uh brad and trav's show notes page just go to dot type in brad and trav in the search bar there and the page will pop up i would encourage you to check out what these guys did it's really fun it'll get you excited to go out on the road let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum though i'd love to share what i call a career aha moment that you guys have had uh maybe it's when you both looked at each other and said okay we're gonna take a big gamble and do this ideal car things here uh what was your guys aha moment
1: Yeah. So there's a couple of them. I'm going to talk about the first one, which actually happened at SEMA this last year. Um, Like I said before, I'm a huge proponent of putting yourself in the right situations, which Trav and I, uh, and this will kind of lead into the second part of this, are huge Wheeler dealer fans. And out of all the shows on TV, that's the one that, for whatever reason, it's the easiest one hour episode to watch. And so I had this crazy idea a little over a year ago. We were out um, in eastern Washington snowmobiling, and I said, hey, Trav, what if we were to quit our jobs and start creating Wheeler Dealer episodes? What if we were able to educate the next generation of car enthusiasts how to buy fix and sell really cool cars. And now Wheeler Dealer has always kind of taken the slant of of doing classics or I would dare I say weird because a lot of them are European cars that we can't get here in the US before they moved over to California and started filming there. Yep. But we really wanted to focus more on like enthusiast cars like Porsche 911s, Audi R8s, and like some exotics, Gallardos, F430s, things like that, because Trav has a background in being able to work on a lot of those really cool, unique cars. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people would like to see under the hood of a Ferrari F430 and see what it looks like to do a clutch on it. And Trav is the guy that would love to do that. And so we were at SEMA this last year and we were in a room with Jeff Allen, Mike Brewer, Aunt Anstead and Magnus Walker. And they were a panel and they were talking about the car industry. And uh, at the end of it, I, I, I was scared out of my mind, but I grabbed the mic and I, in front of a couple hundred people, got up there and said, hey guys, where do you see the car enthusiasts like – in the next 15 or 20 years first and foremost on classic cars of today where do you see the market going but then also the next generation of, of car enthusiasts what cars do you see them really wanting to see wheeler dealer episodes or with Jeff Allen what he does or with Magnus like maybe you know bringing a couple more like a 997 or 991 to his garage mm-hmm. and being able to relate to these these younger guys and when I say younger I mean younger than us like you know in their teens right now sure. what about those guys and Jeff Allen took the mic after talking for a little bit and looks at me and goes, you, sir, are the next Wheeler dealer. <laughs> and it was at that moment, you know, and everybody's laughing. And we had about 40 or 50 people that stayed around after this panel and talked to us. Nice. And it was really that identifying moment for for yeah, me personally that yeah. like what we're on to is, is something really big. Uh. And so – that that was kind of the first part, and uh, the the second part, Trav. Maybe you take away with like what we set out and did.
2: Right. So, like Brad was saying, you know, we when we when we set out on this whole thing, we were quite literally trying to become the next Wheeler Dealers. You know, we filmed uh, this this first episode. Uh, we bought an E ninety M three and did throttle control actuators and everything, and uh, you, know, you know, we filmed it long enough to fit a 60-minute TV slot for you know commercials and the whole thing. I'm sure, we were dreaming. Yeah, <laughs> and, and keep in mind, I mean, this is the first thing we had ever filmed in our lives. Like, you know, we went out and bought a camera, bought the stuff we thought we needed, had no idea what we were doing, you know, <laughs> downloaded editing software, you know. And,
0: I love uh, it, love it.
2: And, and we worked really, really hard on it. You know what I mean? I mean, we we poured, I think it took us nearly two months to, to film and, and edit and, and re-edit. You know, there was a night uh, I was leaving for a family vacation and we were up until four in the morning trying to edit this thing and get oh, it done yeah. before I left, you yeah. know, and, it, and nights like that were, were not few and far between, you know, that's just how it was. Um, so anyway, so we got, we got this episode done and we're super proud of it. We did all this hard work and whatever. And, you know, it, after like two months or so on YouTube, there was like, I think it was like less than a hundred views,
0: mm. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. like,
2: I mean, literally no one watched it, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. Um, so it, it just it didn't take off like we had hoped, and it was a really hard pill to swallow. You know, we'd put in all this time and and money and, and effort, and like I said, first first video that we that we ever made together, um, and it was ultimately sort of sort of a failure, I guess. But something happened from that first video that we didn't really expect. You know, we started getting emails from people, even though the video never got a ton of views, but people wanted to know if it was if it was legit you know people were curious how we were able to make money on a buying fixing and selling a car without having like a dealer license or anything like that you know and, sure, yeah. And that that was the, was sort aha. Of the burning yeah. desire that all <laughs> these people had you know how are you doing that how are you doing that for us we never even really looked at it like that because it's just kind of what we've you know like i think between brad and i we've probably never really lost money on a car maybe one or two mm-hmm. um, but for the most part you know we we've actually made money driving some really cool cars yeah. um, so i guess that was that was sort of the the question people really had you know no one really wanted to watch these two guys that they don't know try to film a tv show they wanted to see how we were doing
0: it well you know it's a it's an awesome story and i've had mike brewers a guest here on cars yeah i mean he's talk about wheeler dealer i mean that guy is on fire and he's He doesn't just act. That's who he is. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. who that guy is. It's like Wayne Carini. That's who he is. He's a genuine, awesome person. And, of course, Magnus Walker, another uh, self-promoter extraordinaire. He's been on my show twice now. Uh, who's just done an amazing job of being what I call the antithesis of the Porsche guy. I mean, who could be more opposite than what people think a Porsche guy is? Mm -hmm. Uh, Definitely. The uh, nicest
1: guy in the world, too. We actually, after that, we met him and his film guy, and we rolled out from LA to SEMA with the RWB group, the Porsche RWB group, and Nick the guy that builds the RWBs. Oh, yeah. And so we talked to Magnus after this panel and invited him to the RWB dinner, which he accepted. And so we got, to know him super well one of the nicest guys and really lit the fire for us being advocates for Porsche as well like we really want the next generation to experience how awesome a Porsche 911 is
0: oh yeah that's awesome oh great story I love it I love it well uh, you kind of maybe answered the question for me about proudest career moment was that it for you guys being able to kind of validate what you're doing
1: Sort of. So, what actually happened a couple weeks ago, and I guess this is the something we're striving for because obviously we want to be public figures and, and be influencers. And I was in the Porsche 911. It was completely dirty. I'd just been hit with deicer. It had snowed the night before in Seattle. And so there was deicer all over the front, and I'm filling it up. And this 16 year old kid gets out of his dad's car, walks over, and he goes, you're Brad from Ideal Cars. because I watched you guys on your journey. Cool. And I'm like, oh my God. And my girlfriend's in the in the seat. And I open it up and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm grabbing this guy's stickers and my card and all this stuff. Like I was freaking out. Yeah. And this guy's like, I love your stuff. There you go. And that was kind of that moment that all of a sudden it was like wow okay we've influenced somebody right and and so that that was the moment that i i totally thought that like we had almost sort of made it in a way
0: yeah it's a you know it's a fun thing when you get some validation for what you're doing and i remember uh, the when i started this i went to car week like i do every year pebble beach and so forth and i had a guy come up and go are you mark green from cars yeah? can i get a picture with you and I'm like, uh-huh. who? Who told you to come over here and do this? Come on, uh, seriously, you know. I'm, but but it's exciting because you realize somebody's paying attention, even if in the beginning it's just one person or ten or twenty or a hundred. Uh, somebody's listening, and it validates what you're doing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's pretty cool. How about you, Trav?
2: A really proud moment for me, honestly, was, was buying that Porsche 911 before we really considered this a business or anything. Buying a 911 was always a dream for, for Brad and I. And, you know, we had budgeted and projected that, you know, we'd probably be able to purchase a 996 911. Um, but we really wanted a 997. Um, so, so we were constantly, you know, looking, looking for cars and we found this one, the one that we ended up buying, um, and it needed a little love, you know, it had a bad clutch. So, you know, we chatted with the guy who was selling it and he, you know, Brad asked him why he's selling it. and The guy said he was getting rid of it so he could get a convertible for his wife. And, and um, you know, we, it's actually kind of an incredible story. Brad was able to help find this guy a really cool car and basically did a partial, I, I wouldn't really call it a partial trade. It was more of like, you know, we used, we used our skill set and, and sort of program, um, to help locate this guy, like a a dream ideal car for him, um, and in return he gave us, you know, a, a really aggressive price on the yeah on the nine eleven. It's actually an incredible story, Brad. You wanna?
1: Yeah, real quick. So what what happened is I found a 98 Astoral Blue M3 with Modena Interior. It's one of five in the US down in Sacramento. Wow. And I had a connection with a shop down there, got a PPI done on the car. Of course, talking to this guy in Bonnie Lake with the 997, the car had a bad clutch and other things. And so he just didn't want to fix it. So to us, that's an ideal car. And so we we found this, this M3. I put a deposit down on it and we drew up a contract with the guy with the 997 up here in Seattle. I flew down to Sacramento, and on the flight down, the guy calls me and says, somehow the car listing got either on bring a trailer or on Reddit or some type of forum. And he was getting offers for over $20,000 for this car. And I was like, you got to be kidding yeah, me. he goes, a, but I'm a man I'm of a my word, yeah. <laughs> So I flew down there. I, I gave him the rest of the money, picked up the car, drove it back to Seattle, went straight to this guy's house where Trav got off work because he was still working at the time and uh, met me there. And we did the trade. The guy looked at the car and loved it. And it was kind of our first jumping off point for our vlogs. I actually actually. actually videotaped the whole process of me talking to the guy and then flying down to Sacramento, seeing the car for the first time, making sure that it was everything that this guy said with the Astoro Blue M3, driving it back up to Seattle and doing the trade. And so that's on our channel as well. And and that's kind of a defining moment because it, it got us from a 996 into a 997. And, you know, ultimately got us on this trip.
2: Yeah. Right. I, I, you know, I, so I would say, you know, for me after we, you know, we traded for the car and everything, we're driving this thing back home, even with a bad clutch, you know, and it just kind of, that was like really, you know, it was like ice water hitting me in the face. You know, it was just like, we did it, you know, somehow we just bought a 997 911, you know, which was, which was a total dream for us. Awesome. So.
0: Great story. I love it. I love it. And you know, ni- nice the way it folds into what you're doing as well. Well, how about uh, your first really special car for each of you guys? What was that first car that each of you got that had great meaning? How about you, Brad?
1: Yeah, so a few cars definitely come to mind. And the reason that that Astoro Blue M3 stuck out that convertible is actually I looked for about 18 months for an Astoro Blue M3, and I knew how hard they were to come by. I'm biased, but I think it's the best color for the E36. Sand's like an individual color. So I bought an Astoral Blue M3. I bought it down in San Diego and drove it back up to Seattle. It was a 18 month search. Another car that comes to mind is a 76 TR six that I bought that ran on five cylinders and took it to the all British field meet in Seattle. And, uh, it's my. uh, It ended up puking oil everywhere, and I mean that's with British cars, right? Is yes. that once uh, they're stop leaking, you know that they they're out of oil, any, whatever they're out of oil. Yeah. But the car that does it for me, the really first special car was my first car, which was a twenty two hundred dollar E thirty three eighteen is, which again it's a quirky, it's a low production car. A ninety one three eighteen is is a one year car, and it actually held more G's on the skid pad than a M three of the that time. Nice. And so here. I am at 16 years old, and I think I have the coolest car. I spent $2,200 on it, saved, 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 and I got this car. Six months later, I wrecked it. Oh, no. And that probably is one of the best memories I've ever had, like in cars as a whole, just because of the lesson it taught me. I had to call my dad. I got this. Ticket and everything else, and he just told me that I wasn't like ready to have a car. And to this day, it sticks with me because here I am, 16. You know, our government says that I am legally able to have a car, and yet, like. The person I look up to most told me that like I wasn't ready for it. And so since then, knock on wood, I haven't gotten another speeding ticket. I haven't crashed another car. And I just learned this valuable lesson because I had pretty much disposed of all of my income in this one stupid incident.
0: Yeah. It's a tough lesson to learn, but luckily you weren't injured. Nobody else was injured. So uh, something that sticks with you. How about you, Trav?
2: You're... So five years ago, basically, you know, we learned uh, we were going to have a son. And at the time, my wife and I, we had a we had a 99 VW Beetle, you know, the new Beetle that I paid like six hundred dollars for mm-hmm. uh, and <laughs> a Mark four Volkswagen GTI, you know, two doors, a VR six. I still have it. It's a cool car. But, you know, it's like we needed either a, a four door or, or something better suited to, to tote around a little one. And, you know, so I did what any logical car enthusiast does. And I went and bought an E39 M5. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, I, I absolutely love. I love that car so much, Um, actually, that I, I bought another one years later. But it was th- that was a pretty special car to me. You know, I'd always wanted one. And there was just something that I thought was really cool about being able to bring my son home from the hospital for the first time. You know, the first car he ever rode in was an E39 M5.
0: Nice. Very uh, so nice. That, yeah. That was pretty cool. <laughs> I think so. Well, how about seller's remorse? So each of you guys have a car you've let go? You really wish you had back.
1: Yeah, I think that for me it's that historical blue M3 because of the search which was um, an incredible experience and the you know learning how to be patient to find the right type of car but then also it was the first time that I ever had a car I was, I think I was 20 or so years old that I felt like when I showed up to a car show I actually belonged like there before that I yeah. didn't have an M car I just had a 318is and mm. so like having an M car and having it in a cool color and all that like it attracted attention, and just because of that, it's a car that, you know, to this day, I, I wish I still had in the arsenal, but of course, like, all things have to come to an end, and it and it gave way to having some other really cool cars, but that is the one that kind of has the, the remorse factor, I guess. Sure. How about you,
2: Trav? Yeah. I'd say for me honestly you know I've had a lot of really cool cars you know the m five I had a hPA turbocharged r thirty two um there were some really cool cars, but you know one i I actually really wish we could have held on to a, a little bit longer um was the jeep we did ideal cars episode three I believe it was was uh we bought a Jeep wrangler and sort of fixed it up you know and got it all ready to go and then we ended up selling it. I think less than a week after we got the thing done, so we never really got to to go experience, you know, what it was like to have a such a capable off road vehicle. You know, we had we had come up with some pretty big plans to go, you know, off road this thing and, and have some fun, and we sort of, you know, we we never got to realize that because we got offered the right money at the right time, and so off it went. So maybe one day, you know, we'll we'll get into one of those again because I think it'd be a lot of fun. But yeah, that's that's kind of one that you know, I wish we
0: could have held on to for a little bit longer. I see a Jeep in your future for sure. (laughs) Well, let's talk uh, real briefly here about this year. What has you guys excited and fired up about ideal cars?
1: Actually, what's what's on the burner right now is another 68 Mustang California special. And this is a car that we've known about for about five years now. And just recently, probably six months ago, got a Marty report on this one, and it is a it is the definition of a barn find. Like, legitimately, it, it's down in the middle of nowhere, Washington, and this car had been sitting next to this house for over twenty years, and we had to tow the car out of the four spots that it had kind of grown into <laughs> yeah. in the yard. Yeah. And so, just again, it's it's to give that exposure of you don't have to spend fifty, seventy five, one hundred thousand dollars to get a ton of miles of smiles with a car. I mean, we we. Paid $6,500 for this car. And what was really neat is that we were able to get it on the road. Trav was able to throw a brake, some gas, get it, get it fired up. And I drove it down the road just a couple of weeks ago, and the doors don't even latch. So the doors were open. It looked like a Batmobile <laughs> or something. <laughs> But, you know, that's the thing is that, like, we're younger guys. You'd expect us to be looking at GTRs and M3s and things like that. And we want to show that we're well-rounded and that we can also work on the old stuff. And yeah. so we're super excited that that episode's going to come out in a month or so and kind of show what it's like to find a barn, like a, a legitimate barn find.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. I love it. I love it. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of great adventures ahead for you guys. We're all going to be excited to watch for it. But this next question is a little bit of an introspective question. I'll start with you, Trav. If you were a car, what kind of car would Trav be, and why?
1: Well, I'm I'm gonna have to step in here because I have to deal with him on a daily basis, and so he is definitely a Ferrari Testarossa. Oh, uh, because he's literally a redhead for one. Uh-huh. You're you're pretty quirky, Trav, as well, and uh, he's kind of an old soul. He he kind of keeps me level-headed. You know, I get super excited. I'm kind of like that little dog that like it's overexcited for things and uh-huh. he kind of goes okay brad let's let's pump the brakes a little yeah, bit and make sure down. this is something we should do so by far like he's a ferrari testarosa so 512 tr tra-
0: oh well awesome cars by the way well Triad, then you get to answer the question for brad
2: yeah so i i mean i again <laughs> i'm sure you can kind of tell from from this recording you know that the brad's sort of the one that that I have to help slow down every once in a while. Um, but honestly, you know, if I had to, if I had to say Brad was any car, you know, I'd probably say he's, he's something like a Porsche 550 spider. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, he thinks he's good looking he's hey. a little bit high maintenance <laughs> and uh, you know, some say he's been known to party topless
0: oh goodness hey. okay well there's a hey. there's a picture for you well <laughs> oh man very nice Burning an image in your oh yeah God. yeah well thank goodness this is a podcast not a video so we won't go there <laughs> so guys up next is the last lap but before we put the pedal to the metal let's say thank you to today's cars yeah sponsors Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, this is Mark Green. I've been using Covercraft covers to protect my cars and motorcycles since I was in high school, way back in 1975. But Covercraft has much more to offer than just vehicle covers. This time of year is very hard on your vehicle's interiors. Rain, snow, dirt, and mud gets into the carpet and the seats, grinding away and destroying the original materials. It's important to preserve and protect your special ride with Covercraft floor mats and seat covers. That's what I do. They offer a wide variety of styles, colors, and materials, all designed to fit like a glove. They're easy to install and provide for anchor points and airbags for safety and a perfect fit. Protecting your vehicle adds value when you go to sell it, too. Simply go to Covercraft.com and order the style and color you like best, and boom, you're set. You'll thank me and your vehicle will thank you as well. That's Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Brad, Trav, we are back and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you guys to give our listeners a very quick flip of the throttle answer. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Crab?
2: I'd probably say it's never love something that can't love you back.
0: Um, <laughs> I like which,
2: it. you know, which is really tough to do. I think we all fall in love with our cars and everything, but you know, for for what we we are trying to do, I think looking at cars, you know, from a third party perspective helps make more sound financial decisions. Yeah, and you can always, you know, sort of try to look at things unbiased, and and so you don't let emotion get in the way of you not being able to make a profitable exit from a car. Yeah,
0: Brad.
1: Yeah, um, I think that it's it, it kind of goes into like you only live once and so kind of go with your gut. And I, and I think that that speaks true to when you have the opportunity to make a purchase. Like before this podcast, we were talking about your turbo that you purchased and how like the description didn't really make a bunch of sense. But what you did is you did some digging and you were able to find out some stuff and in, uncover some truths that someone like me that's looking at the same listing may not have been able to do right and so when you when you're sniffing it and you you think it's a good deal like pull the trigger and at the same time if it sounds too good to be true like it probably is oh, yeah. and you know that can never be more true with with the, you know cars oh and yeah so
0: oh yeah oh yeah they'll sting you that's for sure now how about a personal habit do you guys have a personal habit you believe it contributed to your successes over the years
1: I think the biggest thing for us is transparency. I mean, we look at this as kind of like a marriage because it is, uh, you know, business, but also, you know, I'm – Part of his family essentially, and he is as mine as well and so a big thing for us is you know when something isn't working out, we got to get through it as quickly as possible so that we can keep moving forward and so the every day like we kind of wake up and we have a nine am call five days a week and the first thing is we talk about yesterday, but we also talk about things that are bugging us if there's ever something like that and and there have been.
2: Yeah. Right. And that's, you know, to add to that really quick, and, and part of that is, you know, you can't, we you have to keep, at least for us, we have to treat this, you know, like a business as much as possible. And mm-hmm. we're very much, I mean, Brad's my best friend, you know, but you, you kind of have to not be afraid to hurt someone's feelings, I yeah. guess.
0: Yeah, um, got to be honest. You,
2: just, you have to always look at this, you know, from what's working and what's not working for the business. So I'd say that's something we try really hard at. And it, I think it helps us be successful.
0: Absolutely. Now about a resource. There are tons of great resources, just like Ideal Car, is a resource that each of you guys are a go-to or a resource that you go to quite often?
1: What we've found recently, and and this is all new to me, um, as we're trying to become bigger presences on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff is there is so much information on Facebook groups that I never knew was out there. I mean, you can join everything from like, we're part of an Overlander group, which after having the Jeep is something that we're interested in and we're part of like a 997, 911 group that has 12.8 thousand members in. And the coolest thing about it is that these people are so nice and they want to help out. Yep. And so like I, I think that the biggest resource that we found that I never knew about was was the Facebook groups that you can search for in the search Terms and and find them super easily and like I said, everybody is out there to help because they're in the same spot as you. They own the same type of car.
0: Yeah, no, they are great. I've joined so many over time, and they've really helped me in a lot of different ways. Very cool. Well, if I could arrange for you guys to each have a drink with someone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that be? You
2: know, I'd actually probably have to say Brock Yates of Car and Driver. He mm-hmm. passed away, I think. Uh,
0: couple of years a couple ago. years ago yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. i've always just been a huge fan of his work and i think it'd be incredible to be able to sit down and and really you know just kind of chat it up about you know what some of the things he he thinks and feels um about cars
0: yeah how about you Brad?
2: yeah well since Trev, you think that i'm a Porsche 550 spider i
1: guess i got to go with <laughs> with james dean you know number 158 <laughs> maybe i'm uh, sorry 130 yeah, yeah, one thirty. 130. Yeah, 130. 130. I I the,
0: l- the little bastard. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah, the little bastard. I, I just, I, I, think it would be really cool to see at a time that there was really no way to to have a, a huge social presence online. Obviously, how how was he able to become such a big uh, superstar at such a young age? And, and so a really, sure.
0: I mean, he really was not in the movies very long at all. <laughs> Uh, no, very short, wasn't. but that probably helped to make him legendary of, unfortunately, him losing his life and in that car. And the fact that he raced, I mean, he kind of was, uh kind of a Paul Newman or a McQueen type figure in some respects. Well, I did have Brock Yates Jr., his son, as a guest on my show about a year and a half ago. So you can go back and listen to that show. He was a very interesting guy and uh, talked about his dad quite a bit on that show. So check it out on Cars, Yeah. How about a book? Is there a book that each of you guys have read that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Yeah, I, I think for me, it's the Steve Jobs book by Walter Isaacson. <laughs> I, obviously, I am horrible at reading stuff. So I, I listened to it on book on tape and it took forever to listen to. But it was one of the most enjoyable books and, and gave a lot of great life advice. Yep. Great book.
2: Yeah. And for me, you know, I'd say if you've never checked it out, um, it's done really well. It's called The Art of Racing in the Rain. Um, it's by garth stein i believe Mm -hmm. um it's an incredible it's an it's an incredible book it's an incredible story so well uh you know for
0: yeah i was gonna say garth has been a guest here on the show i met him at a uh, car event he has a beautiful uh, alpha gtv and it's kind of a deep purple color if you will or aubergine if you want to cite a porsche color but um, yeah, that's the most recommended book here on Cars Yeah, is The Art of Racing in the Rain. And I sure wish they'd make a movie out of that, because I think it would be fantastic. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources that Brad and Travis shared today on their Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Brad and Trav, T-R-A-V, short for Travis, and you'll find that page with all these great links. All right, guys, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today I'm gonna to buy each of you. I gotta buy two cars today. It's gonna to be an expensive day. <laughs> yeah. I Deep think wallets, baby. I know, I know. You guys have expensive taste, but that that doesn't matter. Money's no object today here on cars. Yeah, I'm gonna buy you any cool collector car. You can't flip it. You got to keep it. You got to drive it. So that little uh, tricks off the table to uh, buy a, a GTO and then buy a bunch of other cars with. So what's it gonna be? We'll start with you, Trav.
2: Uh, you know, there are so many cool cars that I, I think would be amazing to own, but but sort of the one car that that I always come back to, and I, and I was actually really close to buying one is is the Gen One Viper. Mm. I just think it's such a cool car for so many reasons. You know, it's just there's no no frills. It's just a pure driver's car from sort of this. Unorthodox company, I think, to be making a car like that, um, and it's always been a childhood dream of mine. So they're n- they're not actually that expensive now, but you know, if if I if I could only have one, you know, believe it or not, it would probably be a Gen One Dodge Viper.
0: Very cool. And uh, by the way, had Ralph Jill the designer of that car on the show. He's a lead designer for Chrysler, and and uh, that whole Motor Group. Um, yeah, pretty darn cool cars, and a handful to drive. That's for sure. How about you, Brad?
1: You know, the reason that I go back, I, I've been going back to Michigan every single year of my life since I was before I was born, essentially. Um, and every year I go back to the Henry Ford Museum to go see one specific car. And it's the 32 Ford that they have there. And that's kind of the, the first iconic car of kind of hot rodders and whatnot. And this this car is very sinister. It's kind of plain Jane. But the coolest part about it, it's, it's black with a Hemi in it. It's shoehorned in there and you can actually, they had to cut out part of the hood to fit the Hemi in there. And Ah. so a lot of people don't know what they're
0: looking at, but oh, that is the (laughs) coolest car. That's going to cost me. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Well, guys, you've taken us on a great journey today. Really happy to see what you guys are doing. I I love the fact you've taken your passion, you're putting it out there. That's what CarJet is all about. And I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with me and the CarJet listeners. Could each of you give me a little parting piece of wisdom before you head off into the sunset in that uh, 32 Ford and that Viper? I think I know who's going to win that race. <laughs> <laughs>
2: 32 Ford, baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, guess, I guess, you know, my last little parting piece of advice is for anybody that has, has any kind of dream uh it's just you know and i i know everyone probably on on all of your podcasts says this but it it really is you know go go chase your dream yep um you know follow follow your passion and, and chase your dream and because once you do it and you start doing it i mean you'll you'll never look back
0: yep absolutely
1: Yeah. And to add to that, like the world that we live in today, 2018 is full of technology and like how we're connected right now uh, via Skype and whatnot, and how we're able to push out our videos to literally the world right now is such an awesome time to be able to chase your dream because you have so many ways to be able to reach people, whether you like knitting or you like cars or you like cooking, like you can create and you can influence a lot of people. And so it's such an awesome time to be alive and have these resources, to be able to do what you
0: love absolutely it is an incredible time and you know what it's not that hard if you're willing to learn and the fact that you could go on youtube that's how i learned to be a podcaster that's how i learned to build my website you just have to want to do it and you can what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you guys and see what you're up to
1: Follow along on, on YouTube.com slash ideal cars. We like to say that you can ride shotgun with us on our journeys. Uh, the other way is is you can go check us out on Instagram at ideal cars TV, Facebook at ideal cars, as well as go check out our website. We'll continually update it. But that also is kind of the portfolio of who we are. It has everything on there and you can have access to the ideal car strategies by putting in your email into the box. We'll have a little cars yeah widget in there so that that people can can put in their email and get updates and have access to that once those are, are fine-tuned. So cool. those are the places.
0: Awesome. Well, listeners, as you know, you can find links to everything on the Cars. Yeah! website for Brad and Trav and Ideal Cars. Just check it out. I would encourage you to follow along with what these guys are doing. They're having some fun. They're living the dream. And that's what Cars. Yeah! is all about wrapping your passion into what you do for a living. So kudos to you guys. And I want to thank you for being so generous today with your time and expertise. And, for sharing your incredible automotive experiences with me and my listeners. Until we all talk again, I'll see you guys down the road. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thanks a lot. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner.